Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ. Living Orthodoxy is the parish podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. Well, this morning the church has given us the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 8 about Jesus' encounter with the Gadarene or Gergesene demoniacs, the demon-possessed men who were living in tombs at the time, bound by chains to try to control them, outside of the ancient city of Gadara or Geresa, which were two small towns to the southeast of the Sea of Galilee. Similar accounts are found in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, although there they just talk about one demon-possessed man, the one who identified himself as Legion. We tend to have mixed reactions to these kinds of stories in the Gospels because we aren't really sure what to make of them. On the one hand, they're a bit unsettling, these accounts of enraged, deranged men under the control of many demons, terrorizing both themselves and the villages near them. But on the other hand, we're tempted to dismiss these kinds of stories as fanciful fiction that comes from pre-scientific people who don't really understand issues like mental illness. On the Sunday of All Saints, the end of last month, Reader Justin gave a homily on the role that the saints play in reclaiming humanity and all creation for the kingdom of God from the grip of the enemy of our souls and his minions, the demons. And in his homily, he referred to the demon of Souderton, which was met on our part by quite a few chuckles. Kind of sounds funny in one regard, like something from either a horror movie or an outlandish character of an epic fantasy novel, The Demon of Souderton. But when I heard our response to that, just kind of that gut instinct that we had about the possibility that there really are evil forces at work, even here in little old Souderton, Pennsylvania, and surrounding areas, I thought to myself, I'm not sure if we really believe that. And that's a problem, not because we might turn into raging demon-possessed men and women, like in this gospel reading, although that might happen, but because we might very well reject Christ like the villagers did who also were under the influence of the demons, according to the fathers. Brothers and sisters, the church teaches us that we are at war. Not a war against flesh and blood, although the war often manifests itself through the actions of men, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our enemy, the thief, 
as Jesus called him in the Gospel of John chapter 10, is seeking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. St. Peter describes the reality of this spiritual war this way, your adversary, your, our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. St. Theophon, the recluse from his writing, Unseen Warfare, writes, Since the enemy watches you constantly, waiting for an opportunity to sow evil in you, be doubly watchful over yourself, lest you fall in the nets spread for you. So why am I emphasizing this so much this morning to a room full of people who came to church? <laughs> because it's possible to live as good Orthodox Christians and yet to leave ourselves vulnerable to the attacks and influences of the evil one and his demons simply because we dismiss the notion of an unseen spiritual war as fully enlightened, rational, scientific Western people. From the moment we entered the church as catechumens, we, at least in word, acknowledged and engaged in this war. Let me remind us of what we said, or what was said, after the prayers of exorcism excuse me, were prayed by the priest. This is what the priest prayed. Expel from him or her every evil and unclean spirit which lieth hidden and lurketh in his heart. And our response, I renounce Satan and all his works and all his worship and all his angels and all his pomp, and then we turn to the West, hopefully outside the doors, and we spit on him. I don't know if you've ever been spit on. I have, in the heat of a sporting event. It's not a compliment. Well, maybe it is if you're trying to get under someone's skin. It's not a compliment. It's an act of war. Do you want to fight? Who are we spitting on? A fairy tale? The boogeyman under the bed? No, the enemy of our souls. And then we turned and we faced east and we said that we unite ourselves to Christ, swearing allegiance to him alone. This, my brothers and sisters, is an act of war. And in the gospel reading this morning, we see the level of vitriol that the demons have for us and for all that God has made. While the villagers were terrified by these demon-possessed men and were victimized by them, first we should see the suffering of the demon-possessed men themselves. 
In the Gospel of Mark account, we read this, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. What misery. And St. Luke describes it this way, that he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but he lived in the tombs. What great suffering and misery these men endured at the hands of the demons. And it was the joy of the evil spirits to harm them. And in their possessed misery, these men terrorized those around them, having to be bound by chains just to try to keep them from harming others, even though they broke the chains in their own torment. But you know, it's not just in the dramatic possession like that of the demoniacs, that the demons assault us. They also were assaulting the villagers who also rejected Christ. We, who live in the surrounding village, going about our good lives, hoping not to be disturbed by the antics of those who are haunting the tombs, are also attacked. St. John of the Ladder writes that the demons dig three pits or three traps for those of us who are at least trying to please God. The first one is that they, they try to just simply keep us from doing the good that we know to do. It's pretty straightforward. You know, anything else diverts our attention, our desire than the one thing that is needful. Have you ever tried to pray? <laughs> How many other things come to your mind? You start feeling tired right at the moment of prayer. St. John said that this pit is overcome by zeal, by passion, and also by the remembrance of death. Second, if we persevere through that trap, the demons will try to get us to do the good thing in the wrong way against the will of God. Okay, so I'll say my prayers. I know I need to say my prayers. I better say my prayers. I'm going to say my prayers. Let's just get this done quick so I can go to bed. Right? I have other things to do. Let's get this over. This pit, St. John writes, is overcome simply by obedience and humility. Okay, I am going to pray. Because I love God and I'm going to take time to do it. Well, finally, he said the third pit is this. If we've avoided the first one, we have persevered and we have done the good thing in the right way according to the will of God. He says that the demons will stand quietly before our soul and they praise us for living a thoroughly good life. Oh, you're such a good Christian, I just said my prayers again, even though I didn't feel like it and I'm busy. I just took my time and prayed. God must be really pleased with me because I sure am. St. John said the third pit, it's a pit, it's a trap. He said it's avoided by what he calls unceasing self-condemnation. Reminding myself, I am not that good. I am not that good. 
Well, while these demons in the gospel reading had power over these men, they are powerless before Christ. Even in their misery, when these men saw Jesus, they ran to him and they fell down before him. And the demons cried out through these men, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? The time of what? The time of judgment. When the evil one and his faithful legions of demons will be cast into the lake of fire that has been prepared for them. But even as they face their judge, the demons do not repent. Nor do they stop their destructive ways. Instead, they ask Jesus to cast them into the herd of pigs in a field nearby. Why? So that they might take more vengeance out on these Gentile villagers who were raising these animals, their business. They were trying to do even more destruction even as they were being cast out. Peter of Chrysologos, he was a bishop in the 400s, he writes, the foul-smelling animals are delivered up, not at the will of the demons, but to show how savage the demons can become against humans. They ardently seek to destroy and dispossess all that is, acts, moves, and lives. They seek the death of people. The ancient enmity of deep-rooted wrath and malice is in store for the human race from these evil ones. He says, demons do not give up easily unless they are forcibly overcome. They are doing the harm that they are ordered to do. And then he says, it is by our vices that we empower them to do harm. Think about that. We open a door to them in our life through our vices, our sins, our passions. But he says, similarly, similarly, by our power of faith, we tread on the necks of demons and they become subject to us under Christ, who is triumphant. How then do we respond to such a reality that we are in, whether we like it or not, we are in a spiritual war with the enemy of our souls. First, we respond not in fear, but in faith in Christ who has already triumphed over sin, death, and the devil. First epistle of John, we're encouraged that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Despite the very real and terrifying power and force that the demons can unleash on this world, they cower before Jesus Christ. We do not need to run in fear, but we do need to have a healthy fear and awareness that we are indeed on the front lines of an unseen spiritual war. And second, we need to continually act upon our profession of faith in those catechumen prayers of uniting 
and bringing into alignment our lives with Christ. Christ is already victorious over the evil one, but on our own, on my own power, I am not. We should not be careless or callous in our lives. Instead, we should follow the instruction of St. Peter who calls us to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. This week, someone directed my attention to a prayer taught by St. John of Carpathos. It's found in the Philokalia. And I plan to memorize it this week. If you want to see it afterwards, talk to me. But this is the prayer that we can pray when we're being assaulted by the enemy. Enemy of God, fugitive from heaven, wicked slave, what have I to do with you? You have no authority over me. Christ, the Son of God, has authority over me and over all things. Against him have I sinned, and before him shall I stand on trial, having his precious cross as a sure pledge of his saving work towards me. Flee far from me, destroyer. You have nothing to do with the servants of Christ. Now, to him who is able to keep you and me from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. For more information about St. Philip Orthodox Church, visit us online at st-philip.net.